know, I think we owe uh, ostriches a, uh, an apology. Have you ever thought of that? You know, uh, the idea that we get our heads in the sand comes from this idea that um, ostriches, when they're being uh, targeted, they will uh, put their heads in the sand, or so we, with, that's how the saying goes. Kind of this idea of, if I don't see the person after me, they don't see me, we're all okay. Well, that's not really what happened, you know. I decided to fact check my own analogy before I gave it, you know, because uh, it's so easy. I mean, uh, Logan, if you had a phone, do you have a phone? Okay, you could have fact checked all this, you know, not that you should, but you could, okay? And, and we've come to realize ostriches don't put their heads in the sand in hopes the predator won't eat them. They actually put their heads in the sand to turn their eggs because they will put their eggs very shallow. Some of you are like, I never knew that. Uh, yeah, see, because this sometimes goes to show that sometimes we, we things become just a part of life that we don't have any reason why until, well, I had to take the time to actually go, well, am I even right in my thinking here? You know, uh, could I be wrong? I, no surprise to me or to maybe many of you, I was wrong. I mean, I, I, you know, there's one thing I am a lot, and wrong is it on certain things. But so we have to ask ourselves, what if I'm wrong? So the next time you see an ostrich with their head in the sand, it's because they're actually tending to the young. They're not just trying to hide. And then when I realized the truth of the fact that, that I was wrong, I thought, ooh, that kind of works even better. Because see, what we have to, we, we have to do each and every day is we must be aware of the reality around us. We must be willing and able to see reality, which sometimes means we have to ask, what if I'm not right? Or we must be willing to pray a prayer like this. God, help me to see things as you see them. Things as they really are. Not as I feel they are. Not as I think they are. But as they really are. I believe if we prayed this prayer every day, we would see things differently. Maybe for the better. But how quickly we, we won't pray this prayer, or how many times I don't pray this prayer. How many times I, I forget, and I think, I, I, I try to work out things as if what I see, how I see it, is the way things really are. And sometimes the Lord has to say, uh, Jerry, you got it wrong. But even then, I have to be willing to admit that maybe the way I see them isn't how it really is. Which are two different things. Have you ever 
engaged in a conversation with somebody and, and uh, you knew they were wrong, like they were just, it wasn't even remotely close, but they refused to maybe see it. Yeah, you have kids, right, Dan? You know, sometimes that's it, right? That's exactly where you were going with that. Yes, kids, yes. yes I, I knew it. I knew it. You know? Where you knew it, but they failed to see it. And they will look at the same stuff. They go, no, 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 no. It, it, they may have a portion of the truth, but they're, they're not willing to see things as full truth. They'll hang on to their little portion. The thing with conspiracy theories that are about is sometimes there's a portion of there is a portion of truth there, but it isn't always full. And we as God's people need to guard ourselves. We need to see things as they really are. And as we come into the book of Hosea this this morning, as we come into this time of remembering this morning, we we left out last week off last week with the words of Hosea 6, 6, that Jesus, he says, For I deserve, desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And Hosea is getting ready to do something here in the next couple chapters. And what he's getting ready to do is he's going to give a replay of Israel's history to kind of get the nation at his time to see things as they really are. Not as they think it is. So he's going to pick up a replay of the history. And it starts with this, uh, you know, talk about as at Adam. They broke the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Now, these verses in Hosea 6 and 7 are maybe some of the most, most difficult verses in the Hebrew Bible. Because there's a lot of things we don't know. And, and, and we could easily think he's talking about Adam and Eve here. But really what he's probably saying is there was probably a city that had the name Adam. Alright? Or something like that in the Hebrew language. Because it doesn't really make sense if it's just a person. When, it, when you read, they were unfaithful to me there. You know, so this is the place. But what Jose, I think, is doing is... He's trying to help them to see if they really are. There at Adam, you behave like Adam. You know, you are an Adamite. You know, where, where you live out the namesake of that place. And then he goes on, and he says that Gilead is a city of evildoers. And he talks about Gilead. Well, there at Gilead, we, we see this idea that if you were to go back into the history of Israel, he's picking up a central figure by the man by the name of Jacob. Jacob, Esau, those of you who've been around the church, you, you know those stories. You know, and he's talking about Jacob here, and, and to some extent they are living out the name of Jacob because here in Gilead is where Jacob fled from Laban, who tricked him. And those of you who may not know the name Jacob, it means he who kind of tricks. He was known as a trickster. He really lived up to his name in many ways. And, and he's trying to say, here we are. 
It was also in Gilead that Jacob, on the eve of meeting Esau, since his family across. And it's there he wrestles with God. We don't, we don't maybe remember, see that up ahead, but they both, and then he's going to bring up in just a minute the, the idea of Shechem, which is another part of Israel's story. Actually, it's another awful part of Israel's story. Where there was slaughtering of others. And, and Hosea is trying to get the nation of Israel to see things as they really are, not as they think they are. But yet, their eyes were not open to hear, to see. Their hearts weren't there. Why, we might ask. As we go on, we see that he wants, the Lord wants to restore his people. It's not a guarantee because they have a response. You and I have a response to seeing things as they are. They don't realize that I remember their evil deeds. And we see that all around, people thought it was okay. What were they looking for? They were looking for the same things we do. We all want certainty before we move. We want safety, security, and certainty. And so where do they turn for certainty? They turn, as Hosea says, to Assyria, to Egypt. And in the final words of Hosea chapter 7, we read, For they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. Can anyone remember another time where they were ridiculed in the land of Egypt with the nation of Israel? It was before the Exodus. And notice the power of what Hosea is trying to say to kind of kick them out. A baby nation, you aren't in the right. He's saying, look, you, by your actions, by your behavior, you're going to undo the thing you have been enjoying. You will go back to Egypt. Reminiscent, maybe, of their time in the wilderness and wondering where they asked, can we go back to Egypt? At least there I had onions and leeks and I don't know what they really say, but stuff like that. You know, we knew we had the certainty of back there. Here with the nation of Israel, the certainty was there was two world powers of the day. And if you wanted to have safety, or so you thought, you could turn to Assyria and Egypt. It's kind of like pick your poison. But they wanted that. They forgot the Old Testament call to remember. Remember. They had feasts, they had festivals. What were the point of the festivals and the feasts? What was the point of the sacrifices? It wasn't just the act, because Hosea said right before this, it's not the act of sacrifice that I want. He's going to say again and again, it's not the new moon festivals, it's not the, the feasts, the Passover that I want. Those were all to be remembrance times. For the nation of Israel, Israel, remember who God 
is. Not just who God was. You know, one of the things I've been trying to do in this series is to bring a thread throughout all of Scripture. A thread that we can remember Hosea isn't by himself. Hosea ties into everything before and ties into things beyond. There were things beyond, beyond past Hosea, come back through Hosea. See, it isn't just the, the God who was, or what God had done, or who he was. In, in, the, in the time of the calling of Moses in a wilderness journey itself, he asked, "What?" so when people ask me, who are you? What do I say? Now, there's a whole lot in that question. The question, to some extent, is which God are you? Every God has a name. Which, which one do we call you by? And God says, I am who I am. I am. It's not really a name to think about. It. I mean, Parents, or not parents, kids, don't you hate it when you ask your parents a question they kind of answer it, but they don't answer it? You know? Yeah. You look, I, I can almost count on Lila to tell me exactly what she's thinking. That's a question to bless your child. I'm not going there either, but you know what? Amen. Kids have a way of reminding us of our own actions at the same time. You know, that's not really the answer Moses was thinking about here. Because he's going back into a nation that has a, a plethora of gods, all with names, and he wants to know which name do I put with it, and God says, I am. You are what? I am. And here, in the, in the book of Hosea, we see they have been calling on other gods. They've been calling on Baal to some extent. They, 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 they try to get that God to do what they think he should do. They wail. They cry. They smash themselves, 714. They think, they get it, and they forget who God is. That he is on him. Jesus picks this up not just in the New Testament, not just in the Gospels where he calls himself I am a couple of times, but we read in the book of Revelation, what is, who is he? He is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's A to Z, all of the above. He is. Where are you looking for certainty? We all want certainty. We all want to know that everything's going to be all right. We have a list of prayer needs that Dan prayed over. Certainty. We want to know. We want, we want the results we want, but we want, don't want any negative consequences. And sometimes we forget that what, what Jesus is saying in those moments is, I am. I'm here. I have the certainty. I have what you need. But are you willing to say, maybe I don't know what I don't know. Maybe I need to remember 
what Jesus has done. Right? You go, well, that, that's looking far back, isn't it? Well, it depends. Is it? Have you ever thought, as what Hosea is doing here, of creating a spiritual timeline of your life where God showed up and showed off in such a way so that you can see things as they really are over time? Where you have your own places where God showed up. The interesting thing about Gilead is Hosea is bringing out some of the negative things that happened there, but there was also a mighty movement of God there. And that is when Jacob wrestled with God and lived to tell the tale. It's when Jacob's life was changed forever because in his wrestling, God touched him. Now we, we like that there's a song, uh, right, Barb? He touched me. You know, is that in our hymn book? I think it is. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. I'm not going to sing you with that. You know, and we talk about something happened and now I know he touched me. And we see it as being a good thing, right? I mean, most of the time when God touches us, it's a good thing, right? Well, all the time he touches us, it's a good thing. We just don't always see that. Uh, but what happened with Jacob when he wrestled with God and God touched him? His hit birth. Okay? It left a lasting imprint that I do not think was always helpful or kind to him. His hip hurt. He had pain in that right hip, and it went on to say, went on to say, this is why to this day, the Israelites do not eat the meat on the right side. Because Jacob was changed if God touched him. And he was going to remember with every single step that I wrestled with God. I didn't win, but I changed. I wrestled with God, and he called that place a certain name that off the top of my head I don't get, I don't remember. But he was to remember that every time. And the nation of Israel, if they would have realized what was going on, or this idea of in Gilead, there's a city of evildoers, but if they will wrestle with God, if they're willing to wrestle with God, life can change. But that means they will not stay the same. They had to see things. They didn't. They had to see that the certainty that they were hoping for wasn't going to be measured by Assyria or Egypt, but by who God is. They failed to see this truth of Scripture, that God has been and is active in our world today. The key is that it is active in our world today. There are some out there that says, I might believe in a God, but I don't, I don't think he truly uh, is active in our world. He, he's a God, he created all, but then he kind of just did a hands-off posture and let you do whatever you want. They can say all the right things. But see, if we do not believe that God is still active in our world today, then we have short-circuited who God is. And we need to get back into Scripture and realize that God is active in our world because God has given His people the Holy Spirit, which is Him. 
The Holy Spirit is God. I'm not saying we need to be Pentecostal, but maybe we need to be Pentecostal. I'm not saying you ladies need to wear dresses down to the floor and get your beehive going, okay? Maybe you do. I don't know. But we gotta believe that the Holy Spirit matters. We gotta believe the Holy Spirit is God. And we gotta believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to do a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. And that means we must ask ourselves, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe what I'm doing here is not right. We need to be praying the prayer, God, help me to see things as you see them, as they really are. Not as I choose them to be. And then, we must continue on. We must not let certainty get in the way of trusting Jesus. Jesus is certain. But see, Jesus doesn't always give us all the answers beforehand. Sometimes I think Jesus doesn't give us the answer. Because if it was about the answers, it wouldn't be about the person. If he always gave us the answer, there's no room for faith. It's knowledge. Now he gives us knowledge. We are to know God. We are to remember God. But at some point in time, God's going to say, you're just going to have to trust me here. You're just going to have to go the way I say to go. We must trust Jesus. See, the nation of Israel failed to see things as they really are. And it led to a demise. We have a choice this morning. Will we be willing to pray the prayers that I've talked about? Lord, help us to see if they really are. And these are church are really trying to do that. For those of you who didn't stick around for the business meeting last week, uh, one of the things that we as a church realized is that we need to invest in next generation ministry, specifically our teens. And we're looking to bring somebody on board for that. Why? Because we see that things as they are in our world around us, if we, you, you know, the old statistic is that the majority of people who come to know Jesus will come before the age of 18. And the reality is most of those will come before the age of 13. So what have we done in the past five years to see things as they really are? We've tried to embrace our children's ministry and put in the most effort where we have the best chance, which is during this time. But we can't just do that and hope it'll work. We've got to then go to the next level and invest in our team ministry. Things as they really are. I'm gifted in team ministry. Logan, you're not going to get rid of me in youth ministry, okay? You're stuck with me, buddy. Sorry, Josiah, Daniel, you are always stuck with me. Alright? You know, but I can't do it. I don't have enough time in the day. I'd like to think I do. I'd like to think I have all the energy in the world, but man, I am not another rose. I can just keep going and going and going. You know, 
We, so we're, we're really praying about that. We have to see things as they really are. As they really are. The reality is we're going to have some changes in the next five to ten years here. We are younger than we used to be and we are older than we used to be. And that's a beautiful thing. For both. See things as they really are. You know, you may not know this, but man, there's no sense keeping a secret. Uh, on the back side of this communion table, we have a blood pressure panel, a stethoscope, and we are getting a blood sugar monitor, right? Yes? Right. Why? Because we realized we needed those, and we didn't have it. Was, was that for planning? Not necessarily. We just, we had to see things as they really are. One of the things trustees and the trustees looking at doing is getting an AED. Why? Because we see things as they really are, that's probably something we ought to look at around here. You know? Bands, the, the words. Automated external defibrillator. If something happens to anybody's heart, even somebody like me, who only plays a doctor on TV on Sundays, <laughs> as I like to say, could hook you up and keep you going while somebody else is going the squad and they're going to be here quicker than, they, than I can figure everything out. All right? AEDs are wonderful. They're dummy proof. Someone like me who knows nothing can make sure you stay alive. Okay? That's, that's a very much in a nutshell. If you want to know more, ask fans. You know, you can figure that all out. All right? And, and you want to know that you may say, well, just go get one. Here's the wisdom of seeing things as they really are with that. I know I'm on a rabbit trail. But we have gotten the wisdom of, hey, if we get the same type that our local fire department uses, it's much quicker in and out for them and us. And hopefully if we get one of those, we don't ever have to use it, but those things kind of expire like the pads. We already know somebody who could use the pads if we need to get different ones. Because their job is to use theirs as often as possible, something. You know, they're using it. Seeing things as they really are. How will you see things as they really are? Are you willing to admit maybe you've been wrong? We all thought ostriches stuck their heads in the sand. So that if they didn't see the enemy, the enemy wouldn't see them. Well, that's not true. They're just rotating heads. Huh. What else could we maybe not have it quite? Because when we do that, then we go to the one who is 100% certain and true in all ways. Lord Jesus. We say, open my eyes to see. Glimpses of truth you have for me. Open my eyes, illuminate me. Spirit, my concern for us, not that we're there, but I, but as I want to remind myself and others, is sometimes we really don't want our eyes to be open. To see. You like it, you like it. You like it, how you like it. 
But this ought to be our prayer. Open our eyes to see. And so we come to this time of remembrance. This time where we have to remember who Jesus now was, but who he is. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the one who's coming back. He is the one who can say, what you're doing is not right. You've got to have eyes to see and ears open to hear those things. So will you hear 